Good morning, good morning. How are you guys doing? It's August, middle of summer. Maybe heat wave will cease from this point on, right? Praise to Jesus. Let's pray for no more heat wave. It's weird that we have to pray for no more heat wave nowadays, right? All right. Well, we're in our summer testimony series, uh, going through the names of God. And our hopes in hearing these testimonies and going through all, uh, all of this is to understand the different characteristics of God. The hope is that as you hear these testimonies, that you could become more, that you could come into a better understanding of who God is and the aspects of God. But really, it's so that you really gain a more intimate understanding. And as we gain that understanding, we want us to build an intimate relationship and an intimate understanding with God. So if you've missed any of our previous uh, testimonies, you can find them on our YouTube channel. Uh, there are two which you do need to request permission for because of the sensitivity of some of the things that are talked about. Um, but all the other ones are on there. If you want, just email info at Five Stones and you can get access to the other two. But I want you guys to be able to sit together as a church. For us, as we hear these testimonies, we get to experience the witness of just who God is in, in our church's lives, Right? So today, we're looking at Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is present, or the Lord is here, or the Lord is there, or the Lord is everywhere. As people, we often just live our lives, and whatever comes at us, we deal with whether those things are good or whether those things are bad. In some odd way, we either feel like we have to work hard to have what we have, or we feel like we have the worst luck in the world to be dealt the things that I have, to, I have had to wrestle with. Since this summer, have any of you guys gone tubing before? Where you sit in an inner tube in the water and a speedboat pulls you through the water and all you could do is hold onto that tube with everything you have because if you don't, you'll be thrown off skipping across the lake into oblivion. <laughs> I feel like that's how life is sometimes. It starts off pretty mild. You know, you get to enjoy that initial tug, the little bump skimming on top of the water. Then the driver turns, and you feel the tug, and you hit the wake of the boat, and the bumps are now jumps. And then it's another fast turn, and the force is harder, and now it's no longer just the wakes of the boat, but it feels like 10-foot waves coming at you, and you're flying through the air, and you're holding on for dear life. Just hoping that when you stop, you're still on the tube. In all of that, do you ever wonder what the driver of the boat is thinking? You could scream and ask them for them to stop, and it feels even worse. I mean, when I'm the driver of the boat, my goal is to make you let go of the tube. <laughs> but that's because I'm not a nice person. <laughs> Good thing I'm not in charge of your life, right? Well, today, our testimony is from Joshua Louie. He's going to come to give testimony of Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is here, the Lord is there, the Lord is everywhere, the Lord is present. Just a disclaimer to Joshua's testimony, it may have some trigger points of depression for people. However, we believe that God's grace is here and that he's in the midst of all that we're going through. So as I bring up Josh, we're going to pray. So Josh, why don't you come on up? We're going to pray and uh, I'll let Josh get into it. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for Joshua. We thank you for just who you are and how, what you're doing in our lives. Lord, may you remind us of your presence, but we may, may you remind us of your presence. So, Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to give witness, to give testimony. 
And Lord, may you be with us as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. Josh. So good morning, Five Stones. Um, Yeah, I just want to pray again. So God, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for your presence here. Yeah, we just want to love you in the midst of this. Not just in me communicating, but also in receiving too. May this not be a message where we go, oh, that was great, but just walk away and forgetting it. But Lord, may you speak to each person here and whoever's watching and whoever will watch to show them what they are to do next. In Jesus' name, amen. So first things first, uh, I want to share about how I found Five Stones. Uh, While I was in Colorado, I was attending a discipleship training school, which is kind of like a missionary crash course. It's about six months. And so that was the first bout. Second bout, I was able to get there during COVID on staff. And Clem Ferris, who taught here, I think, beginning of April, he was teaching at the base. Uh, we got to chat it up a bit. He found out I was from Vancouver, and yeah, he brought up that Pastor Rich uh, pastors a church here. So I began looking online. Um, I think, yeah, most people saw me online first before I came in person. And eventually, uh, once I came back, yeah, I attended with family in person. During this time that I was here in person, uh, my YWAM teammates felt called to go to Florida to plant house churches. And I, too, felt called. And now both Clem and Pastor Rich are overseeing the church plant in Florida. So it's all connected. Um, So, yeah, I got some slides here. And to help you guys follow with my testimony, here are, like, the table of contents. And then on the next slide, I've produced this, co-produced, this abstract illustration with my mom and my brother to help outline my testimony. Um, So it goes as such, oof, not again. God, I just can't. Pray in tongues, presence of God, transform life in grace, rest, and peace, and then abide. So, yeah, before I delve into the meat of this testimony, I need to share some of my background when it comes to mental health and mood disorder episodes. Throughout my life, I have gone through episodes of depression and bipolar too. Depression can look different based on the person, but common symptoms are lack of motivation, a numbness, low energy, and a low will to function or even live. Um, so to ease, more easily explain this, the top part with the faces and the colored lines was my brother's production of what he felt mental health looked like. So you experience an array of different emotions. emotions. You know that God is with you. But sometimes you just go through some peaks and it feels like you have no control over what's going on. You don't know how you're going to feel when you wake up in the morning. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's tough. So for me, a depressive episode typically looks like me in bed wanting to sleep the time away. Everything I used to enjoy loses its appeal, and I would have a numbness and often feel like a shell of myself. I would prefer to hide away from others versus getting the help I needed. My first depressive and anxiety episode happened when I was in the sixth grade. My family and I had moved from Richmond to Vancouver to be closer to family. My brother and I attended a public school for the first time because up until then we were attending Richmond Christian School. So that year, we went on a trip to Disney World during the year to use up our airline credits, which meant I got to go on vacation. Yay. But after coming back from the park, I would need to work on my homework. Ah. (laughs) It was a happy and stressful experience, but underneath it all, I knew eventually I had to go back to school. We left for our trip in October, which gave me little time to establish some solid friendships. Once I got back, not only was I to catch up on my homework, but I had to deal with a new level of anxiety as I attempted to rebuild rapport with my fellow classmates. Months later, I was sick dealing with strep throat for a week, resulting in me falling behind in school. I attempted to catch up, but eventually I withdrew and somewhat checked out. Now onto bipolar two. So bipolar two is bipolar one's younger brother. 
With both types of bipolar, there are primarily two phases. Um, one has more extremes than the other. But these two phases are mania and depression. Mania is a mountaintop, cloud nine, on the moon, heaven on earth type of feeling, while depression is the opposite of that. For one of my mania episodes, I had a conviction and dream to play hockey for the Vancouver Canucks while on the side running the world's largest company. I would wake up early in the morning to practice hockey and train. In the early morning, I would shoot pucks in my garage, often waking my parents. I would often try to aim for just bar under or the post, so while they were trying to sleep, there'd be ping, ping, and sometimes just hitting the garage door in general. Um, but I was working on a book about my life while interviewing my friends for positions in my company. I barely slept, but I had the energy of a hyper seven-year-old. My mind was filled with grandiose and creative ideas, but they had little traction and action to them. One day, I had a follow-up with a friend, and I became super depressed to the point of hospitalization. I wish I could die in an accident because I was scared of taking my own life. I didn't want one bad decision to potentially put me in hell. During the time I was in the hospital, I felt God's love and presence through the friends and family that visited me. The snacks, hugs, and smiles became so frequent that I felt bad because the other patients had very few people visit them. After eight days, I ended up getting discharged because of two factors. The factor I mentioned earlier, I was no longer a danger to myself. And the second factor was I didn't want to have the other patients feel worse than they already did because of all the visitors I was having. So back to the near present. Um, well, okay, I need to mention this too. In both instances, I dropped out of school for a time. And I think in other instances, there were a total of four other times in which I had dropped out of school. Amidst my high school years, I've gone through six different education programs. Some of them are online, online Christian, alternative program, and adult high school, among other things. Eventually, I graduated high school five days just before heading for my YWAM trip. Um, so to summarize, mental health slash the mood disorders of anxiety, depression, and bipolar have been a part of my testimony since sixth grade. The previous stories I mentioned were two of the major episodes in my life. So fast forward to September of 2019, I attended a discipleship training school with the missions organization Youth with a Mission in Colorado. While I was there, I became very steady and I thought my days of depression were over. This steadfastness lasted for about a year and a half, and it felt like I couldn't dip under a four and a half out of 10 for my mood and motivation levels. Then, one February morning, I woke up and thought, wow, this feels familiar. That's the oof not again part, by the way. Um, it felt like the times I was in some of my depressive episodes. I wanted to sleep the day away, but instead, I decided to ask people to pray for me. These cycles of depression and steadfastness continued for months up until, I think, the end of May. I would be fine on the weekends, but during the weekdays, I would feel defeated and unmotivated to do a lot of things. I still got up for commitments where it involved other people, like prayer slash Bible study meetings. However, there were a few times where I canceled. TESOL struggle. Uh, so as you see on the bottom there, in violet, fuchsia, whatever you want to call it, we don't have to debate. Um, I wrote TESOL which means teaching English to speakers of other languages. No, I think the mom, my mom, sorry, not the mom, my mom was uh, doing the emotional green something. I think I did the blue. And basically it's to highlight that, as I will pref um, go into it, even though I tried to hide the thought of TESOL and doing TESOL, because it's a training program I was a part of, um, it was still very blatantly there in my mind, and I knew I had to do it. So, TESOL struggle. During these cycles, I was working through my TESOL training and began having great difficulty understanding the content and memorizing the terminology. It felt like I was relearning English. There were some of the terms and new, these were some of the terms and new revelations I came across and my reactions towards them. A transitive verb? What's a transitive verb? Hold up, so you're saying a noun isn't just a person, place, or thing? Nouns also include actions, qualities, states of existence, and ideas? I didn't know there were 12 different verb tenses. I thought there were three, past, present, and future. And then, of course, some of your typical learning curve terms goes as follows. 
garins, diphthongs, andragogy, and epigodal plosives. Epigodal plosives. Um, anyway, there are many more moments like this throughout the course, causing me to gradually get worn out, among other things. Amidst this difficulty, it brought up underlying behavioral patterns on how I would do things in the past when times got difficult. In the past, if I wasn't immediately competent at something, or if I felt like I was too far behind, I would give up and start over or switch to something else. This was a pattern during high school, especially when I got sick and fell behind. It got to the point where I ended up failing an assignment, and I wasn't even that mad or sad. Course requirements say that if I fail another assignment, I would fail out of the course. In that moment, I no longer cared about passing the course. If I failed out, then so be it. And I so badly wanted to quit, but there were a few pressures over me I was taking into account. These were some of the things I was telling myself. My parents paid for this course. I need to finish it, or at least try my best. But if I do fail out, I'm okay with paying them back for the course. If I willingly fail out of this course, this is not representing Christ very well. What will my wise counsel think if I failed out? I do not want to disappoint them. And if I'm having this much difficulty with one course while I'm here, how much more difficult would it be if I was studying abroad in Florida? Because uh, in the midst of me doing this, I was also taking the steps to apply to study in Florida to be with the team. So I knew God wanted me to finish this course, but I was in willful disobedience and delay, which made it all the more yucky feeling for me. So with the course expiration date coming up, I ended up purchasing a course extension. In the other slides that I had, uh, I called it the TSN turning point. So for those who don't know, um, on TSN, the channel, it's the sports channel, they show a moment in a game where a team comes from behind and they go on a crazy run and then eventually win it. So for me, this is the TSN turning point. The procrastination, frustration, and depression got so bad to the point where there came a day when I wanted to sleep. My will to live was very low and my spiritual zeal was also at an all-time low um, since I've taken responsibility for my faith. The only reason why I got out of bed that day was because nobody else could get the door in the morning. That morning, my friend came to our house for a Bible study and prayer time. We had the Bible study, and my friend offered for me to study TESOL at his house to focus better, uh, because we live very close by. But I declined and went back to bed. I woke up just in time to head to a church prayer meeting, so I ended up going. During the prayer meeting, we had a check-in portion, and I had no words to describe how I was doing or what to pray for. Hence the, God, I just can't. We went about the prayer meeting, and then I headed home. Instead of going back to bed, I ended up playing some basketball outside, so that was a mini win for the day. Eventually, I found myself in my room and got a nudging from the Holy Spirit to pray in tongues for three minutes. It was a very quiet whisper that I felt in my heart. Um, so I set my timer and began to pray in tongues. I looked up scriptures about tongues, specifically 1 Corinthians 14. It's the passage about tongues, prophecy, and orderly worship. And each time the timer would expire, I would refresh it because I wanted to continue my research on tongues and satisfy my curiosity. Shout out to Pastor Rich's sermon on how to get the most out of your Bible reading. So I remembered Joseph Prince had some sermons slash teachings on tongues, so I began looking for them. I looked up Derek Prince thinking it was Joseph Prince. And for everyone who's wondering, Derek Prince was a Bible teacher who had a radio show, and Joseph Prince is a pastor of a church in Singapore. I ended up finding the tongue sermons from Joseph Prince on YouTube and listened in. I resonated with his emphasis on the message of God's grace as I was in a time of heaviness and weariness from my striving and intentional procrastinating. Um, for me, I would also call it a willful disobedience because I knew what I needed to do, but I wasn't doing it. So it felt awful. Um, so I continued to pray in tongues as I went from video to video. And after some time, I stopped, noticed, and realized Wow, this is the most renewed and steadfast I've ever felt in my entire life. So I continued, and that day, I even did a little bit of the TESOL course. I experienced such a joy and closeness with the Lord, so I prayed often and searched for opportunities to pray in tongues alone. It has become a practice for me to pray in tongues till I fall asleep now. It's not every day, but it is most days. I am no longer striving 
in the morning, rather than quickly asking God what to do, I would simply say, good morning. After years of constantly asking God what to do or how to be, I transitioned into a draw near to him, and the revelations will come life approach. I've been in peace much more now, and after a few weeks, I was praying with my friend in the evening and picked up the book, The Practice of the Presence of the Lord by Brother Lawrence. It's the book Pastor John had for free to pick up for the first sermon of the new year. I opened the book and jumped ahead to the action steps part of the book. <laughs> I'm that kind of person. <laughs> that could be why high school was a little frustrating for me. Um, <laughs> but I learned to be centered in abiding in the rest he gives me and in his love. A prayer he mentioned in the book was to make your heart even with God, and it's been something I have prayed on the regular. From this posture, I experienced a renewed sense of intimacy with the Lord I have never had. Sleeping in, excessive snacking, and even watching basketball became distractions and hindrances for me to draw near to God. They were no longer appealing for me. I found myself in a place where all I wanted to do was spend time reading the Bible, praying, singing, and even dancing with the Lord in quality devotional time with Him, and being completely 100% focused and cognizant of just Him being there with me. I ended up finishing the TESOL training with much less frustration, and by the end of it, I actually began enjoying it. But since that time, my communing times with him have gradually waned to the point where while crafting this testimony, I backslid in my faith and began procrastinating, fully knowing God wanted me to work on my testimony. I was thinking about the task in my own strength, and it led me to numb myself out with snacks and videos. During this time, and recently too, he's reminded me that it's not me trying to represent him, but it's him representing him through me. So my role is to simply submit and enjoy the ride, the communion, the enjoying him, and the delighting in him. It's in loving him in everything we do where we can more fully experience him and the abundant life he has for us. He reminded me that it is in abiding in him where we can truly rest and where the fruit comes. And that is the reason why this testimony is being shared with you today. Without him, this testimony may not have even been crafted law Seek him, guys. It's nice. Um, he inhabits the praise of his people. And as Pastor John mentioned at the beginning of today, it was also a last-minute revelation God wanted me to share. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. and to seek him in his temple, Psalm 27.4. So God, I just thank you for today. I didn't know this was going to happen, but that's okay. Help us understand the, how short life is, that honestly we don't know whether we're going to drop right now. We just want to speak your words. We want your compassion. And we want to share how much you care about others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Josh. You know, it's never easy to come up to, to share a testimony. And I think Josh did a great job today. <clears throat> Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is here. The Lord is there. The Lord is present. His presence is with us. If we look at this phrase of Jehovah Shammah, we find it at the very end of the book of Ezekiel. It is in Ezekiel, and if you, if you know the book of Ezekiel, if you know the story, we have Ezekiel who is first a priest, then in exile, and then as a prophet, he calls Israel back. And at the very, very last word as Israel is being restored. The book ends with 
the Lord is there, which is Jehovah Shammah. So as we look at this entire book of Ezekiel, 48 chapters, we're going to go through all of it today. I'm kidding. No. I would love to go through it all with you today. But we see that Ezekiel has gotten throughout his, his entire life. He was first initially what a priest. He, he was a priest under the reign of Josiah. Under the reign of Josiah, there was this revival that was happening. Ezekiel was enjoying the presence of God, enjoying that revival season, enjoying just the revival that was happening under the rule of Josiah. As a priest, following his father's footsteps, being in the temple, being in his calling. And after Josiah, we know that a series of just really bad kings came through. And God said, because of this, because you've chosen to sin, I'm going to exile you to, I'm going to give you over to your enemies. And Israel was exiled for 70 years under the Babylonian empire, right? What a turn of events. We see that not only Ezekiel gone through this, but his contemporaries like Daniel, Nehemiah, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they all went through that, the, the same process. 70 years of exile. That was hard and very, very tough for the Jewish people. They were enslaved and mistreated. Ezekiel's job no longer existed. He was no longer a priest because the temple was gone. So what did God call him to do? God called him to become what? A prophet. A watchman on the wall. And he, and Ezekiel's job is now to call God's people back and to turn from their sinful ways, to come back to God and God will restore them. But what does Israel do? They do not do that. So then they were exiled. So in chapter 10 of Ezekiel, God gives Ezekiel this powerful vision of his glory leaving the temple. So where is God? If God's glory left his temple, where is God? The answer is that God has always been where he's always been. On his throne in almighty power, exercising absolute authority. You see, God's glory departed from the temple, but his presence did not. This is important because Jehovah Shammah is about God is here, that God is everywhere, that Jehovah Shammah speaks of the omnipresence of God. That's a big theological word, which simply means that God's presence is always everywhere at once, that God's fullness is everywhere at once, that God is upholding the universe by his power. King David spoke of this in Psalms 29. Where's my remote? He said this, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, worship the Lord in his splendor of his holiness. And in Psalm 29, it goes on to speak of God's power, his power to be able to, to, to break, break things and to restore things and to feed things, that his voice speaks and his power is there. For Israel, God has never left. For Ezekiel, God was never, has never, never departed. The Lord is there. Where? He's there. Wherever there is, he is there. That is our God. Ezekiel was in exile along with the other men of faith, probably wondering if they will ever see home again. Probably wondering if God is there with them. Probably wondering is... Is God still speaking through us? But God assures his prophets and he assures Ezekiel. In chapter 11, verse 16, he says, this, Therefore say, thus saith the Lord God, though I remove them far among the nations and through, though I scatter them among the countries, yet I have been a sanctuary for them for a while in the countries where they have gone. That even though Israel 
no longer had land, no longer had their temple, no longer had their, their place and their posture, that God says that my presence has never left. That maybe my glory has left the temple because of what you've done, and that's the consequence of your sin, but my presence has always been there, that he has been what? A sanctuary. A sanctuary for his people. That God is there. He may, this may not bring a lot of comfort to us, We may ask the question, then why doesn't God just take us out of the situations and the circumstances that we we have to deal with? Why do I have to suffer through depression? Why do I have to suffer through bipolar? Why do I have to deal with having these mental health issues, as Joshua has shared in his testimony? Why doesn't God just take me out of this horrible place that I am in today? And why is God not delivering me? These are probably the same questions the Israelites were asking as they were in exile. But may I give you another question to ask during these times? Instead of asking, why are you not taking me out? Ask, what is God doing? Because if you believe that God is almighty and that he is all powerful, then the truth is that he is able to deliver me. And that he, it is possible for him to deliver me. But he doesn't. So the question shouldn't be, why are you not delivering me? But it should be, what are you doing, God? The thing is, we have to cling on to the truth that if we believe this, is that God knows what he is doing, even though he doesn't tell us what he's doing. That God doesn't, Check in with you to, to, to see if you're okay with his plans first. That's pretty humbling, right? But God has his time, his plan, and not one of his plans will ever fail. As we move along the story... Ezekiel goes through and he he gets a series of of visions and a series of things. And God finally comes to a place of wanting to restore Israel. We have the story of the dry bones, all those things. Ezekiel, great story. If you have time, read through 48 chapters. It's like the epic wizardry type. Like if you're into like Lord of the Rings, read Ezekiel. Okay? If you like Harry Potter, read Ezekiel. Okay? It's better than those things. But God says to Ezekiel, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And then he goes on to say with all these things, and the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. When through you, I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all of the countries and bring you into your own land. I will spring clean water on you and you shall be clean from your uncleanness. This is a weird word. I actually had to look this up to see if this was actual word. Uncleannessless. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart. A new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And then he goes, you then shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. Notice all of the I wills in these verses. Notice all of the I will passages because in so many ways when we look at Jehovah Shammah, it is not about what we do, but it's about what he does. It's about what God will do in your life. It's about what God is doing in your life and it's what God will continue to do in your life. Right? In Jeremiah 31... 
It talks about this new covenant. It says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke. Though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. That is a new covenant. Right? These are the new, this is the new covenant that God promised to his people. And that new covenant was fulfilled through who? Through the, his son, Jesus Christ, by his death and resurrection, which opened the way for Jehovah Shema to be available to the church. It is available for you. It's available for me. This is what the new covenant did. You see, the I wills that we just read is now that is, is what Jesus has done. That Jesus has cleansed us. Jesus took the every single I wills. And Jesus said that I have done. So if we reread this, he says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from the countries and bring you into your own land. He has sprinkled clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your sins your uncleanlessness and from all your idols that he has cleansed you and that he has given you a new heart and that and a new spirit and he has put within you and he has removed the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh that he has put my spirit into you and caused you to walk in my statutes and and be careful to obey my rules that is no longer that god says i will but jesus has come and jesus has now done it right that all of the promises that God has given to Israel. And he's like, these are the things that I'm going to do. Jesus did that on the cross. So now as a church today, we get to experience that. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that amazing? That we get to experience the presence of God today. Right now, in this place, in this moment. But also in the past. I don't want you guys to forget that. That the things that you had to go through, that God was there. And the things that you're going to go through, that he is there. That God is there, he's here, he is everywhere. His presence is omnipresent. It is everywhere at once. And that we can rest in this truth and rest in this promise and know that God is good. Right? That it doesn't matter, as Josh shared his testimony today, that as he, he started depression at the age of 12, grade 6, and has gone to wrestle through all of these things, that God's presence was always there. In the New Testament, there's a character named Paul, and for those that don't know the Bible very well, Paul is one of the great figures of, of the Bible. And Paul talks about a thorn in his flesh. Remember that passage? That he's experiencing this thorn in his flesh and that he begged the Lord to take this thorn away from him. How did God respond to him? He said this. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The power of Christ can be with me when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul is content with his weakness because he understood the when-then principle. We often think that we have to endure trials or suffering, then I become strong. But Paul doesn't say this. He doesn't say that. He's, he, he doesn't say that you have to go through hardship to become strong. 
He says that at the time I am weak, then at that same time I am strong. Not I have to go through this in order to get strong. But that when I am weak, I am strong. Think about that. What Paul understood is he knows that the power of Christ is active at that point when I am weak. He gives us the secret to it. In 2 Corinthians 4, he talks about the treasures in jars of clay, right? 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 12. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body of the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal, mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. So good. So good, right? He gives us this idea that Jehovah Shema is there in our pain. That when we have to go through things, that Jehovah Shema is there. That these jars of clay that we have, that every single pain that we go through, there's a crack that happens in these jars of clay. But what happens is that when these cracks happen, so jars of clay, right? You have these jars of clay. If it's perfect, if we live this perfect life, it's very solid, right? But, and we put a light inside the jars of clay, you won't see the light. But everything that we go through, every pain that we go through, we, these cracks begin to form in these, these clay pots. And then what happens? When we put light into it, it becomes a shine through. The more cracks that develop in these jars of clay, the more the light is able to shine through. The more that God is able to be seen, the more that God's glory is able to, to, to be shown and, and, and to be given out to the rest of this world. So the pain that we go through Everything that Josh has shared about is to do what? To give God glory. So God's glory is seen through his life. So that glory is seen through our lives. That the pain and the suffering that we go through, that God is there. His glory never left. His presence never left. His glory has been restored in the temple. We look at Ezekiel, we see God's glory coming back into the temple as the temple was rebuilt. God's presence is always here with you, church. God's presence and his glory is always there to shine through you. And as you live your life, you don't need to be perfect. Okay? As Christians and as a church, I don't need you to, to, to try to live out this perfect life. Because the reality is that you cannot do it. But God can. That in your imperfectness, God makes it perfect. Isn't that good? That in the places that you feel like you have failed, God redeems and says, no, you have not failed because I was there and my presence was there and I am going to reveal my glory because of your life and what you've done and the choices that you have made. And when we are able to rest in that place, all of a sudden our lives are transformed into a place where we want God to receive glory, right? Amen? That God receives the glory because our lives are now indebted to what he has done in our life. That our sins are forgiven, that our, our, our shame is taken away, that everything that we have done is now no longer ours but his because he's taken it to the cross. And when he took it to the cross, all was forgiven and his righteousness came upon you. Jehovah Shema, amazing, amazing characteristic of God. That his presence is always with you. 
that God is there and he is here and that he is with us. Church, I want to leave us with this thought here. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. That when we live out Jehovah Shema, is that we begin to learn to love through him. That Jehovah Shema is for the church, but it's also for the world. That Jehovah Shema is for his people, but it's also for the rest of the world to see what he's doing. Jehovah Shema requires us as we experience his presence that his presence transform us to a place where we love from a place of a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So church, God's presence is here. God's presence is there. God's presence is everywhere. And as we experience God's presence, I want us to be able to learn that his presence is his love. But that his love is not just for you, his love is for the entire world. And that it is your responsibility as a church so that the world will know his love. That when we go out there, that we live authentically to a place where we have a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. That we don't have to, 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 to act outside of who we are, but we just be in the presence of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for testimony. We thank you for your presence and we ask for you to remind us Lord that you're always with us that your presence never leaves us that your your presence is always with us and that your presence is what's holding all of us together so Father God we just pray that you remind us of this truth and you give us grace to live out this truth. So, Father, as we are wrestling with kind of life's, what life has thrown with us, Lord, may you remind us that you are there, that you are always there, and that we can always draw from you. We love you. We give all worship. We give all praise. And we all give all our blessings to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's uh, message is such a good reminder of the goodness of God. And we thank Josh for sharing his testimony with us and just sensing through this period of difficulty. I just can't imagine how difficult going through the depression and that emptiness that God is here and God is there for Josh. And God is a God that is good is a God of covenant, a God that holds up his end of the bargain. Like we are the people that breaks co covenants. We are the people that breaks promises. But God is a God of covenant. And he's the one that we can stand on his promises. And he was there for Josh throughout this difficult time. I, I like what John shared earlier about God being there we asking always asking why when we should be asking what he's doing for us and Josh is going through this period now seeking and finding out what God is going to be using him in his great purpose so we thank the Lord what he's doing in our lives so we thank you that we have a Lord that is strong that stand on the promises given us and he's the one that came because we could not withhold our own side of the covenant. 
And he stepped in as he, he came to this earth as human flesh and stepped into our place so that we and bear this burden of our sin and die on the cross that we are able to come to the Lord. It is Jesus who fulfilled our part of the covenant. So we thank the Lord for that. So we enjoy the presence of the Lord. We enjoy being with the Lord. We, we sing this song in our first day night prayer meeting that better is one day in the courts, in your courts, than a thousand years elsewhere. And this is from Psalm 84:10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than draw in the tents of the wicked. So, Father, we thank you that you are here for us. And you are here when we are going through the deepest and most difficult situation. And you are here as we are struggling when we don't know what the answer is. But we know you are here for us, Lord. And we know you are here when we enjoy our mountaintop experience. But you are most importantly with us when we are going through the difficult times. And you are providing those, those answers for us and the security that we are able to enjoy even one day in your court, Lord, than a thousand years in a world that is empty of God, Lord. So, Father, we thank you for who you are and thank you for the work that you have done on the cross for us, Lord. And thank you that you are the Lord of covenant that have carried our burden and bore the cup of our sins and that you have bring us into a life a life that will be everlasting and eternal. So help us, Father, Lord, to always remember, even when we're going through a joyous time or in, in the most difficult situation, that we know you are there. You are there. You're not maybe not there, at maybe that the earth, wind, and fire, but you're definitely there in a quiet whisper, like in what you have encountered with Elijah, Lord. So we thank you for who you are, Lord. You're always there. We just need to look and see you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, for, thank you for your blessing. May you bless everybody for this coming week, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.